Le film que vous allez voir comporte des scènes érotiques qui ne conviennent pas à tous les auditoires. Nous préférons vous en avertir. Boldly Boinking Lock. Start at 4276911137.4832336654.117869. We have deviated from our current course of programming to dock with the outpost Erotica. Unfortunately, our pilot had some issues forcing us to go in and out and in and out and in again, causing much friction with the docking clamps and leaving us in a sticky situation. Part 1. Kirk and Spock. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everything in between. It's your co-host, Connor Speak, and welcome to some very special episodes of Boldly Boinking. We're going to be talking to you guys today about fan fiction. And although I'm sure 99% of you all know that, what that is, for those that don't, my lovely co-host Alexa, our resident Tribble, will be throwing some definitions at you right about now. Hi, welcome back. Lovely to be here. Lovely to be chatting again. Uh, we missed you guys, man. We did. We, we missed you. We were all alone here. It was we had ourselves to talk about. And that, <laughs> all the banging. Yeah. All alone. That gets a bit circle jerky after a while. It was Literally so, and figuratively. So jerking in a circle. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're we're excited to do this. Uh fanfic obviously is a huge part of Star Trek. Although I'm not sure that I knew that because I got into Star Trek so young. And I was never like into like online forums or whatever, so I didn't really realize until fairly recently. Yeah. But just to go over some basic facts, we're all on the same page. So, for the purposes of this discussion, and, and based on what I could find in my research, fanfic is obviously short for fanfiction, yep. and it involves writing fiction using characters from an established universe, from a TV show, a movie, a book series, and it's created by fans, obviously. The other definition that's important to understand is shipping, which comes from relationship-ing, yep. <laughs> where you put two characters, the same thing. From an established universe into a relationship, or you wish that they were in a relationship, or you desire for them to get into a relationship, yeah. or you are trying to pressure the writers on the show to put them You're into saying, a relationship. You're saying, hey guys, obviously this would work, why haven't we seen this yet? Yeah. Let's get on that. So it's it's really common on places like Tumblr. There's also a lot of videos on, on YouTube. There's a lot of fan-made videos. Yeah, I mean, nowadays I feel it's really common almost everywhere. Everyone stands someone's relationship to use the lingo that the kids use. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what's interesting about shipping is often it's... Well, there's, like, rivalries within the same fandom of, like, different ships, especially if they involve the same characters. Hashtag Team Jacob. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's, that's right. I said worst. it! Oh no! I said it. That's the worst fandom. Yeah, but it is. It was probably it's the earliest one I can remember where they were actively battling against each other. I'm sorry, Twilight fans. This is the second time I've insulted you now. Ah, you know it. <laughs> don't pretend you don't. You don't pretend you don't, Twilight fans. You all know who you are, and you all know what you've done. But so the interesting thing about sh shipping is that it also like al often allows fans to kind of work on chemistry that's being presented to them. Yeah. But between characters that like are transgressive to put them together or are meant to be enemies. So the one that comes to mind is Hermione and Malfoy, mm. which is a very common 
ship or subject of fanfic. And there's some really, really transgressive, really dark takes. Because he's <laughs> sure he hates, he's a Nazi. <laughs> well, yeah, he hates muggles, yep. and she's a muggle, and so there's some stuff there. But it's so popular. <laughs> and then the last People one be weird, <laughs> but we're all very accepting. You do you. You're yeah. not strange. You're just your own little. Yeah, I mean. If because it's true, most of the fiction makes Malfoy a better character because you're removing his Nazi elements. So that's a yeah, good thing. Or or they don't. Well, or and they that's, don't. And I mean that is a valid, uh, for lack of a better word, kink or fantasy that some people have. Uh, you know. Well, I, all right. Anyways, we're not yeah. going to get into yeah, that we're too not much. Get into that. We'll um, that where it is. And the last kind of fiction to to understand the context that we're going to be talking about is, of course, slash. Thick, yes. Which is a very, very tied to Star Trek. It's, it, Star Trek's probably one of the, it's not the first, you could ne- probably it, never say what it the is, first. It is argued to be the first. Really? Yeah. Like, there wasn't any of that in, like, Victorian times and things? So, well, so we're going to explain this a little bit later, but yeah. Y- yeah, so it is argued to be the first, and before we get ahead of ourselves, slash fic is, of course, uh, again, fanfic, so you're using characters from established universes, but it is romantic relationships that center on two same-sex characters, and they are overwhelmingly male, usually. Yeah, I, I most know that of the time. There are female ships, for sure, or slash fic, for sure, but... It's not as many. And, and historically, it has been male characters. Yeah. And so, I have this really great definition that I found from an article. Mm-hmm. We will put some of the links to the articles that we found in the show notes if anyone has any interest. This is from Henry Jenkins from an article called How to Watch a Fan Vid. He's got lots of great stuff. He this he kind of goes into fan culture. It's great. Okay. If you're interested, go check him out. Yeah, yeah. So he says, Slash is a form of fan-generated romance which centers on the relationship between two same-sex, most often male characters, appropriated from the realm of popular fiction. Kirk and Spock were probably the original Slash couple, but Slash did not become Slash until the idea of same-sex relations moved from Kirk and Spock to a whole range of pairings. Okay. Before that, it was simply K slash S with a slash standing in for a sexual relationship. K and ampersand S would have referred to a passionate but asexual friendship between the same characters. The people who read and write slash are mostly women, women of varied sexual orientations and interests, who see their work as bringing to the surface emotional dynamics that were masked in the original material. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. And it's I can see why it would be women writing most of it. Just like, and so this is the really, really interesting part is, and this is why Slashvik is so tied to Kirk and Spock. Yeah, and of course, Kirk and Spock is the subject of this first little mini mini episode here. What's interesting is anyone who has watched Kirk and Spock and any of the many iterations, and all I would argue, if you want to see this, go watch the first series. Yeah, and that dynamic because in the later movies, I think the writers tried to play on this a little bit. Yeah, and well, and in the later. In the later series, they're like in the movies. They're also now setting up a relationship that's lasted for like 20, 30 years past when the first series was like in their continuity. It has now gone on for a long time, so the nature of the relationship is a bit different. Yeah, and so what it does, and and this is where the really interesting thing why I personally wanted to do this whole miniseries on Slashfic is they these writers, these fans are taking a dynamic that the writers of the show kind of inadvertently, I would argue inadvertently caused. Oh yeah, definitely. They created, they didn't mean to. No. But it's clear to anyone watching that, 
that there is some tension. Yeah. And it's, and it's not just regular friendship tension. It is something more intense than just your run-of-the-mill friendship tension. Although, I would argue, maybe friendships don't have that tension? I don't know. Um, I know, tough to say, because it's it, it it's hard to... Having had most of the knowledge of all this as existence before I ever watched the original series, it's hard for, for me to look at it objectively and not see that, because I know that it's all there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I could say if watching it like completely sort of free of any outside context whether I would have spotted that or not. But because I know of mm-hmm. all the history of it since... Yeah, I, you see it instantaneously. Yeah. And so the the interesting thing with Slashfic as well that kind of differentiates it, itself from other erotic writing, especially like other kinds of pornography, especially like male-targeted pornography, is that, and again, I'm pulling from the article by Henry Jenkins. I will link to the show notes. But he says, he brings up the idea that it's, it's more interested in the emotional than mm. in the physical. So the sex isn't always about the physical stuff it's like an expression of the intis- the the emotional intimacy and i think that is why it's attractive to the people that write it yeah and i would argue that not to make generalizations because i know that there are people who are not women who like this as well but i would argue that that might also be the appeal for why there's so many women that I mean, are if, interested in the fanfic and write it and engage with it if you were going to go with a probable aggregate average of like everybody i'd say yeah that's probably exactly why there's always going to be a whole lot of outliers but Mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah the whole idea of slash fic actually comes from kirk and spock but it's always written k slash s and that slash was really important i kind of touched on it before but before previously when we would write stories the sorry not we (laughs) Because we That's were the royal we, the it's royal everybody. we, the fandom, the yeah. fans. The ampersand was used for friendships that were platonic or were not sexual or were not romantic. And when the slash came into play, that was a way to distinguish it from the other the friendship stories. And slash meant like a sexual relationship. And of course, for anyone who has kind of dove into the fanfic anyone who's delved the depths of the oh, fan, fan fiction you will know that there is one story that is kind of pointed to as the originator it's the, the granddaddy yeah. of all fanfic and it's a lovely little story yeah. called a fragment out of time we again will link to that as well we're gonna read a little excerpt of it at the end of this episode yes it's pretty uh, it's pretty awesome yeah. So when you read it, what were your what were your takes on it? What did what stuck out to you? I mean, they write it very well. That's a really stupidly general thing to say, but what I mean by that is it's very easy to picture sort of the exact thing that's going on at the moment despite the fact that they're not super into the physical descriptions of like all movements or things like that you can still see sort of exactly what's going on because they're 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 using inference of what's happening very 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 well Mm -hmm. and so the the most interesting thing about this is what you just said the inference yeah they don't the only one person in the encounter has a specifically gender well, a g- gender-specific pronoun used. Yep. The other person is never really given a pronoun, and it's a way for the writer to kind of... They can sneak around the fact that maybe 
it's a girl, maybe it's two people, maybe it's anything. But the way it's written, it is also very, very obvious exactly who they're talking about. Also, when it was published, there was a drawing at the top of the page. <laughs> and it was Kirk and Spock. Of course. So it was very clear. But yeah. I think, I mean, this was written in the 70s. Yeah. And so there were legal ramifications that she was trying to avoid. Makes sense. The same thing that I think most people that create fan content, fan vids, fan fiction run into when you're using copyrighted names and characters. Yeah. And and the 70s was a different time. Slightly. (laughs) It was a different time. Slightly. (laughs) Yeah. But so the interesting thing is that this wasn't an original idea. This was an idea that fans had been trading through letters and conversations and conferences ever since the original series ended in the 60s. But this was the one that was, it was the first one published. And it kind of... It was the first one that sort of hit an audience outside of like a very, very particular group of fans and things who'd been sending this to each other. It wasn't so much about outside of that audience because it was very much still within that audience, but it was the first published thing. Okay. So this thing that people had been talking about in private that had never been put out in public, it was put out in public and it kind of like opened the door. And from that came... Just the wealth of of glorious fanfic that exists now. The avalanche of it. The frothing seas <laughs> that are yeah. fanfiction. There's also... Uh, I've got another quote. I'm just, I'm just full of quotes today. Also, just to be clear, I'm always full of quotes. I that, just, that is true. You just, guys don't know, but... I just hold them in better. <laughs> today, I'm just letting everything hang out. Alexa's having a bit of a release today. <laughs> I mean, we all need a little release every now and then. So this is a quote from the adaptation of the movie Star Trek, the motion picture that uh, Gene Roddenberry wrote. And this is Admiral Kirk thinking to himself. So it's so it's Roddenberry directing... It's Roddenberry writing what Kirk is thinking. Okay, cool. Yes. So it's him doing it directly. He says, I was never aware of this lover's rumor, although I have been told that Spock encountered it several times. Apparently, he had always dismissed it with his characteristic lifting of his right eyebrow, which usually connoted some combination of surprise, disbelief, and or annoyance. As for myself, I have always found my best gratification in that creature called woman. (laughs) (laughs) In that creature called woman. Also, Also, I would not like to be thought of as being so foolish that I would select a love partner who came into sexual heat only once every seven years. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> Which I love that he went from, like, I'm into ladies, <laughs> ladies. but also... <laughs> but also, why would I only want to bang once every seven years? It doesn't I need matter my- <laughs> who it is. Yeah. So you can see that, like, by this time, Gene Ronberry, who arguably I don't think wrote these characters to have this sexual tension, was clearly aware. Yeah, someone had told him. But I love the little thing at the end, because it feels at the start like he's just going to be like, I don't, he's only into ladies. But then he throws in this lovely thing that's kind of like a, like a wink. Yeah, Yeah, a a way out. Like, it's not just because it's like, oh, you know, no homo, Gene. It's also more like... Yeah, but, you know, maybe it's just because that wouldn't be fun anyways. Kirk's a fun-loving guy. He can't wait seven years. to be fair, that fits with Kirk's character. That that is, yes, absolutely. If Kirk and Spock were going to have a relationship, it would have to be an open relationship. Yeah, there's no way Kirk would sit around and then once every seven years. No, absolutely not. He'd go bananas. This might ruin my credit as, like, a Star Trek fan, but do Vulcans not have sex any time outside of Ponfar? It's only in Ponfar. Oh. Bit ambiguous, but certainly with each other, no. 
Now, they never really address the fact that what about all these interspecies things like, you know, Spock's mother and things like that. Yeah. They never really say that, but certainly the only time you ever see them exhibit any interest in it yeah. is during Pond Fire. I think there might be something with Enterprise because they have the sexy Vulcan, mm. and they probably didn't want to just not use the sexy Vulcan the whole time, but I don't know what the specifics of those stories mm. would happen to be. Hmm. But I think. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe Spock and Kirk's love would be so true that Spock would bang more than well, se- once yeah, every seven okay. years. Okay, so here we go. I'm sure from Spock's logical perspective, maybe he's not feeling it at the time. He would probably understand Kirk's character enough to realize that he'd still probably have to, uh, you know, engage Eve a couple yeah. of times, even if he wasn't necessarily in Pondfire. And from a logical point of view, that would make perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. Or open relationship yeah that too that would also be a logical thing yeah so he'd be with it if there was way. ever a candidate for polyamory it'd it's be kirk s- <laughs> yeah <laughs> but also spock because he'd understand oh he'd for be sure like, yeah that makes sense yeah 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 but and i just he- mean like oh yeah, yeah if there's anyone who's gonna be like no this needs to happen it's be- gonna be kirk actually i could see them having a very healthy fulfilling relationship if it was that dynamic yeah and i feel like spock wouldn't get jealous no he wouldn't yeah I mean, there you go. Another lovely relationship that comes to you from fanfic. There we go. We've this just is the beauty, folks. Another way. This is the beauty, folks. All right. So to to end off this little episode in our mini series for you, we are going to read a little excerpt from that infamous story. Yep. I'm going to hand it over to Connor Speaks here, and uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. Thanks, guys. Get your uh, get yourselves ready. All right. Shut up were by no means setting a precedent. He was quiet, and not merely because he was used to obeying that voice implicitly. He was being peeled, slowly, like a delicate fruit, in time to some far-off pagan rhythm, and he found his logical mind was swathed in a white mist of sensual well-being. Gentle hands spread worm oil slowly, in ever-widening circles over his chest. Tantalizingly, teasing fingers ran over each nipple, flicking the tip lightly. A slow, deliberate tongue reached out to each erect button. He shivered, then squirmed, surprising himself. A sleek, well-oiled torso slid over his chest down to his navel. Tiny shivers accompanied the soft nips at his abdomen. Warm oil was dribbling over lower areas, then a ravaging finger made him glisten. Even his thighs were being massaged. The pressure was delicious. Well-skilled hands made long, swooping strokes from his knee up the inside of his leg to the upper thighs. Now, he could not prevent this any more than he could stop a solar eclipse, even if he's really desired to. It had been building all these years. No one set of circumstances was the cause. Now, it seemed it had been inevitable from the outset. And then you guys will have to read the rest. Check us out on social media. Grab us by the Twitter handle. At Boldly Boinking. Wrestling fans, do you ever invite friends over who aren't wrestling fans and make them watch wrestling anyway? So do I, but I turned it into a podcast. On the Smart and Friends podcast, I welcome Montreal artists to watch some wrestling with me. Listen to the podcast on its own, or log into your WWE Network subscription and watch along with us. Smart and Friends on Two Finger Guns Club. 
This has been a Two Finger Guns Club production. Pew, pew.